Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. joining us online or a podcast or the app thank you for joining us as well and at this time I would just like to invite everyone to get out your Bibles and go to the very last book in the Bible the book of Revelation we're going to pick up today in chapter 3 verse 7 and what we're doing is we're just continuing in our study of the book of Revelation we got really a lot to cover but um this this text but over the last seven weeks, what we've been doing, we looked at Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and what we saw was seven different letters written by Jesus to seven different churches, and so we kind of had this earthly view. When we get to chapter 4, there's a shift in the text, and there's a shift that goes from an earthly view, and we're going to look at a heavenly view. We're going to get a glimpse of heaven. We're going to do it this week and next week. And it's a, it's a staggering, staggering view. Now, before we get to this chapter four, the book of Revelations and this glimpse of heaven, there's two things that I want to talk about that will help us, I think, better understand what we're about to gaze at. First thing I would say is this. There is today, maybe for a long time, there's this fascination among Christians and non-Christians with heaven and the afterlife. And there's some who have claimed to have in some capacity visited heaven and they've returned and they have told of their experiences, written books and made some money. Here's what I'd like to say about that. Um, In the New Testament, we have honestly only two accounts of people getting a glimpse into heaven. I don't know if you've heard of any of these other glimpses, but I would ask that you not let that influence the word of God. Two people, um, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians was transported to heaven, but he was forbidden to speak about what he saw. And then John, the apostle, he went as well in the book of Revelation, but unlike Paul, he was permitted to give a detailed description of what he saw to the best of his ability. So I want us the first thing, remember that. Don't let this world, this culture influence what we're about to look at. Let the Bible influence everything. Second thing I would say this, as we get into this, you are going to have to use your imagination. If you do not use your imagination, the things that we're looking at today are going to be very difficult. This is a passage that really um, charts and graphs are not going to be that helpful. We've got to use our imagination. You see, when you go through something that's so overwhelming, something unlike you've never been through before, 
it becomes very difficult to describe. Doesn't mean you can't describe it. It just means that the people you're communicating to, if they have not been through it, it's going to be hard for them to relate. For example, I don't know, if you've never given birth to a child and you ask someone who has given birth to a child to explain to you what it was like, it's going to be difficult, right? They're going to use words like, like, similar to this. And likewise, John does the same thing. He's going to say over and over again, like this, or like this, or like this, because he's gone to heaven, man. It's very difficult to use human language. So we will have to use our imagination. All right, so we got those two things. One, don't let these other people who say they might have been to heaven, they have not, to influence what we look at. Second thing, you're going to use your imagination. So let's look at it. Let's get a glimpse of the throne in heaven. Chapter 4, verse 1, first thing we're going to see is the person on the throne. Check it out, church. Verse 1, after this, that means after the seven letters, I, that's John, Look and behold, a door standing open in heaven. It's almost like the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. You got this door, and going through it is a completely different world, but he continues. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me, like, there's that word like, once again, use your imagination, like a trumpet said, come up here. I will show you what must not like, not like this might, this is actually going to take place after this. Verse two, at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Okay, hey guys, several things to talk about here. First thing I want you to notice is that word in the spirit. If you have a Baptist background or if you have a Presbyterian background, that might make you kind of uncomfortable, right? But those of you with the Pentecostal charismatic background, you're like, we told you about this. This is what we've been talking about in the spirit, right? What exactly is it? Well, it doesn't tell us. We don't need to argue about it, okay? But he's in the spirit. Second thing I want us to notice, and most importantly, is that word throne. The word throne. John says that, he saw a throne in heaven with someone sitting in it. So he is gazing into heaven. He sees a throne in heaven and there's someone sitting on the throne. Now at this point, the throne becomes for us the central point. Everything happens around the throne. Amen. It does. You see, everything coming to the throne, going out of the throne. If you, if you lose sight of the throne and that God the Father is sitting on the throne, you start to lose perspective. And that is where you get some wacky theology. I would say this rabbit trail, here we go. All of the wacky theology that I have come across, all of them at some way, at some point, take God off the throne. Well. You keep Jesus, you keep God on the throne, his sovereignty, his goodness, his power, his might, his glory, you're going to be okay. He's on the throne. And I'd say this, and I was thinking about it, I want to say this with you, a throne, a throne is a powerful image, right? It is. Like I know we're not from Europe and we don't have a country, 
that has perhaps a throne. But growing up, I would say this, many of us had thrones in our house, right? And we're not uncommon to this. Like my dad had a throne in the house growing up. We did not call it a throne, but I'm telling you this, on that throne, there was a little, I don't know, emblem that said lazy boy, right? And he would sit in that throne and it would be elevated and he would make sovereign decrees over the house about what television station we all going to watch, right? We get kind of the the ideal. And when he wasn't there, my brother and my sister, we'd kind of fight and try to sit on the throne, but it wasn't our throne. We did not have authority of the throne. When my dad returned, we'd get off the lazy boy and he would sit on the throne. We did not have jurisdiction, but we see this throne in heaven There's only one who has jurisdiction of that throne and it's God the Father and he's sitting over and he's ruling over all creation because it's his kingdom. That's the picture. And now John is going to try to describe this. Look at verse three. Come on guys, imagination. And he who sat there had the appearance, once again, the appearance, that's come on, use your, he's telling us, use your imagination here of Jasper and Cornelian And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Once again, this is a tremendous picture. We're using our imagination. We're like, I don't know, John's up there gazing in. We're like, John, John, tell us what you see. John, just tell us. And so he's trying to describe it, and we can't go into detail, but he says, Jasper, that that describes the glory of God the Father. It speaks of his purity, his all-consuming beauty, Cornelian, that's a, that's a red stone. It represents, I think, first the blood of Christ, but also the coming judgment that we're about to see as you walk through the book of Revelation. And then John says around the throne was something really, really beautiful, a rainbow. Don't you love rainbows? Oftentimes on social media, if there's a rainbow, I see people post it, and this will... You might find this interesting, but I always seem when someone posts a rainbow, people like it. Rainbows grab our attention. And this rainbow symbolizes eternity, perfection. It symbolizes the covenant promise, but it also symbolizes the end of the storm. And that's just a glimpse, just a glimpse right? The great glory, this great place. I would say this, if you would consider just for a moment the most beautiful all of you the most beautiful thing that you can imagine and I would say take that most beautiful thing that you can imagine and multiply it by infinity and you might be getting close to what the apostle John saw for you see God created beauty there is no defect in him he is perfection he is 10,000 times more lovely than the most compelling thing that has ever tempted you or I. And that is what we see. That is the person on the throne. Hey, church, God the Father's on the throne. But that's not all he's going to say. We're going to move from there, and we're going to see there's some people around the throne. Verse 4. He's trying to communicate to us. Verse 4. Around the throne were, check this out, 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And so the the picture is kind of getting bigger here, right? We see you got God the Father in this great throne. 
You got surrounded some smaller thrones, 24 thrones, and sitting on the 24 thrones, we're told, are elders or or leaders, and they're dressed in white, and they got crowns on their heads. Now, at this point, people will wonder, what exactly is that? What is that? What is that? Well, people fall in different categories. Some people would say they're angels. I don't think that's what's going on here. I'll talk about that in a moment. Some people will say that they're men, representation of men and women, and some will say Not only are they men and women, they'll divide it in half and say 12 represents the disciples, 12 represents the heads of Israel. And so all of that, there's another camp that says it's just a representation of the complete church. I believe that's more probably accurate. I'm not going to argue about it, but I think we're looking at the redeemed church. So I don't think we should fight over it, but it should be noted. Here's what I would note. 24 in scripture speaks of completion. And so whatever this is, it's a picture of the completion of something. And I believe it's the completion of all the saved saints. But let's stick to the text. They got two things going on, two things. It says they're dressed in white. Once again, you never hear of necessarily that. I mean, that's something, that's not necessarily something reserved for angels. That's garments that's giving to Christians. Over and over in scripture, you see these white garments being given to those who repent and believe. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ. Second, it says they got some crowns on their heads. Now, once again, we could go through all this and we could trace a lot of different lines, but I really want to stick on the text. But really quick, if you remember in Smyrna, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a crown of life. Paul talks about a crown in 1 Corinthians. 2 Timothy, Paul says, in store for the believer is the crown of righteousness. James talks about the crown of life. Peter tells us of an unfading crown of glory. You see over and over again to all the Christians, to all the redeemed, at the end, there is a crown. There's a crown. It's not a crown that you merited. It's a crown that he has given you because he has imputed his righteousness to you. That is who I believe is around the throne. That's what we're seeing. So we got the person on the throne. We got 24 elders around the throne. Question might be what all these people doing. Oh man, now we're going to get to it, man. We're going to get to some crazy stuff. We're going to see the praise before the throne. Now, I'm not joking here, guys. This is where you're going to have to do some imagination because it's about to get all kinds of, I don't know, spectacularly wild. All right, that's all I can say, man. Here we go, verse five. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Now, that's reminiscent of Moses' experience on Mount Sinai when he got the Ten Commandments. Keep going. And before the throne, check this out, were burning seven torches of fire, which are, we're told what they are, the seven spirits of God. So we could go into more detail there, but we're seeing the fullness of God, the spirit, the the first part of verse six, and before the throne, there was, once again, imagination, he says it, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. It's not a sea of glass, it's as it were. Once again, you go to the book of Ezekiel, you're going to see some more details like this. The point is, this is magnificent. He is struggling. He is struggling to communicate to us exactly what he's seeing. But he continues. And this, it gets even bigger. That's it. The rest of verse 6. Here we go. 
You got the throne and around the throne, on each side of the throne. Okay, 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 come on, check it out. Are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like, it's not, it's like a lion, use your imagination. The second, second living creature like an ox, not an ox, it's like an ox. The third living creature was the face of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Continuing the first part of verse eight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around them. Now, come on, I don't care who you are. That ain't something you see every day. That's pretty crazy. That's amazing. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. And when you read that, I think naturally we got lots of questions. But I want you to understand, I do not have the ability to answer all the questions you might have because all the questions you might have may not be contained in the text, but I do think there's some things that we can determine about these four living creatures sticking in the text. You get, the more you stick in the text, the less trouble you get into. So let's just look at the text, all right? First, we're told there's four living creatures. What are they? What, what is this about? Well, if you go back to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter one, you can read Ezekiel describes them in more detail. And you can study that on your own if you want to. But in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15, we're, tell, we're told specifically, here's what he says they are. Then the, here they are, cherubim rose upward. They were the living creatures I had seen by the Kibar River. So the four living creatures are cherubim. And great. Cherubim. Once again, what's that? What's a cherubim? Apparently, and you can go study all this and work it out, but apparently cherubim are a certain group of angels who have been given special duties by God to do unique things. They are designed by God to attend to his personal holiness. They are fiery gardens of the holiness of God. They are amazing created beings, and they're mentioned several places in Scripture and you can once again study it. That's outside the scope of what I want to get in today. But we're giving some additional details about these amazing beings in the text, sticking in the text, their location. You know, where they're located. And around the throne, on each side of the throne. That means their position is in the inner circle nearest to the throne. And then we're told they got six wings. Six wings, once again, there's further descriptions in other parts of the Bible about these six wings, but the big picture here is that they have the supreme responsibility and privilege to constantly worship God. And finally, so they got eyes all over their body. What's that about? Well, that represents their awareness, their alertness, their comprehensive knowledge. They are not omniscient, but nothing pertaining to their duties escapes their scrutiny. And we could talk about them all day long, really. But I'm gonna tell you right now, the most amazing things about those creatures is not the way they look. The most amazing things about those creatures are what they are doing around the throne. Check this out. Verse eight, the rest of it. And day, night. Come on, church, feel the weight, feel the weight, feel the weight. They never cease to say what? Holy Holy, 
Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Astounding. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Do you know holy is the only attribute of God that is repeated three times in a row in Scripture? We're never told God is love, love, love. We're never told that God is grace, grace, grace. But all we are told, he is holy, holy, holy. You know, the reality is many of us, I don't even think, fully appreciate that he's holy, let alone holy, holy, holy. So you get a picture of these amazing creatures praising God. And I'm telling you, the reason why I think they're praising God and saying, I'm sorry about my throat, guys. It keeps me from yelling right now. (laughs) The reason why I think they're saying holy, holy, holy is because they got eyes all over their body and nothing pertaining to God is missed by them. Like they see it all. I think, I believe, I fear that many of us may not think of God as holy, holy, holy because we don't fully appreciate the glory of God, right? Who he is, what he's doing. They see everything and they say he's holy, holy, holy. Make no mistake, he is worthy of all our praise all the time. And if that was not enough, look what happens. We're gonna get more praise. There's a crescendo, there's a building of praise. Verse nine, check this out. And whenever the living creatures, excuse me, give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the 24 elders, look what they do. They fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, we're gonna stop there. You get this, 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 this crescendo. It keeps, it, 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 he's building. You, 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 got, you got these amazing creatures in heaven. They see everything. Holy, holy, holy. They just night and day. Holy, holy. And as they give glory and honor and thanks, it causes the 24 elders. There's a trigger. The 24 elders join in. I would say this. Praise begets praise, does. Praise begets praise. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in this room. You got one individual, I don't know, start praising God and somehow it triggers, it triggers, it triggers response in the rest of the saints to start praising. And we see that praise begets praise. But notice the exact kind of praise and worship The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated. That's a proper response. That's a proper response. When you see God in his splendor, that's a proper response. And look what they do. Look what they do. Look what they do. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, what does that mean? I mean, they cast in their, they're cast they're casting their, thron- their, 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 their crowns. What does that mean? It means they got no preoccupation 
with their own excellence. They got no concern about their own beauty, their own holiness, their own honor, their own reward. It means nothing to them. They are lost in adoration, adoration of the living God, so much so that they give their crown back. Let me say this, church, on that day, when we see him as he is, when we are awed by who sits on the throne, we will all wish we had more crowns to throw before him. We will have wished we had suffered more. We will have wished we sacrificed more. We will have wished we resisted greater temptation. We, have, we will wish we had fought and overcome. We will wish we had more to praise him with. And now they sing, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. There's a lot going on there, but I want you, church, to pay attention specifically. Why are they worshiping? We're told here because God created all things. A reminder, remind, there is nothing that you eyes will see, your hands will touch, your tongue will taste, your skin will feel, experience that you will have that God did not create. So we see just a glimpse. We have to use our imagination, just a glimpse, and we're going to continue next week. It gets bigger and bolder. This is just a glimpse. We see one, God the Father is on the throne. We see who's sitting before the throne. I believe it's the redeemed of all the ages. And we see what they're doing. What are they doing? What are they doing? Praising, worshiping, casting their crowns before him. And they're saying, holy, 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 holy. That's our God. That's our God. And we need to worship as they do. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.